In our family, the Disney film Prince of Egypt is one of our favourites, well-loved and frequently watched. If we were watching it at this stage of Exodus, we'd be enjoying dramatic scenes of Moses as a young adult, galloping through Egyptian streets, chariot racing with his brother, and causing havoc as he goes, paying no attention to the suffering of the Hebrew slaves as they continue to build huge buildings and giant statues to Pharaoh. However, while we can rely on Disney for entertainment and a good tune, we can't rely on Disney necessarily for an accurate portrayal of this incredible story. As we come to verse 11 in chapter 2, Moses is now 40. He's grown up in an Egyptian household with all the luxuries and benefits that that entails. He's got wealth and privilege, and as Stephen says in Acts chapter 7, he's educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. But he also, probably from his mother, had been taught about his humble roots, his humble Hebrew roots. Verse 11 tells us that he knew his heritage. He would have been taught the promises of God. He would have been taught the promises that God gave Abraham, that Israel would one day become a flourishing, numerous nation with a land and home that they could worship God freely. And as Moses looked on his own people suffering in slavery, none of that seemed possible. And he couldn't bear to watch the injustice as they were bullied and beaten into hard labour. His anger and his emotion led him to a crime of passion with massive consequences. He murders an Egyptian for beating a Hebrew and then he buries him in the sand. We might think that Moses' desire to see justice done was understandable but murdering an Egyptian was not. Moses had been brought up with violence all around him and he responds to injustice with an aggression of his own. He behaves just like one of the slave masters and he appoints himself as judge, jury and executioner. Stephen suggests in Acts chapter 7 that Moses thought his people would recognise him as their leader as a consequence of his actions, but instead he loses their respect. And when the next day he challenges two Hebrews who are fighting, they turn on him, asking him what right he has to confront them when the he's committed murder himself. You see, murder was not and never would be God's way of bringing justice. And Moses' problem was that he thought he could save the people by his own works, doing things his own way, taking things into his own hands rather than trusting God and leaving him to bring about his justice. Don't you think we do that really easily? Don't we take things into our own hands and think we know the best thing to do rather than allow God to take the lead and to act in his way and in his timing? Perhaps we get really angry or fly off the handle when life seems unfair. Perhaps at work when we don't get our way or we feel let down, we start complaining to anybody who'll listen about the way we've been treated. But anger, frustration, violence and verbal aggression are not God's way and they only lead to further broken relationships and a loss of respect. You see, it seems that Moses has blown it big time. But God doesn't give up on him because of his failure. But he does have important lessons for him to learn before he's going to be ready to rescue the slaves from Egypt. Similarly, God is not His purposes are not thwarted by our weaknesses and failures. But we do need refining and pruning in order to grow in Christ-likeness and the ways of God. And that can be tough and painful. But that's what God does with Moses when he flees from Pharaoh into the desert. 
In the years ahead, God refines him to become the leader that he wants him to be, that he might be able to bring about God's bigger purpose. And yes, it was tough, but there was wonderful blessings of God's grace along the way that Moses receives, even though he doesn't deserve it. There are a number of lessons Moses needed to learn in the wilderness away from Egypt before he was ready to return to Pharaoh. We've only got time for a couple this morning. But firstly, Moses needed to learn to be, a to be a servant and not a slave driver. We know Moses had a strong sense of justice. And as he stumbles upon the scene in Midian, where seven women are being harangued by shepherds, he sees injustice being done again, and he steps in to sort it out, to rescue the situation. He gets rid of the shepherds, draws the water and feeds the flocks. Already, it seems that Moses has learned some lessons. This time, he doesn't use violence of an Egyptian slave driver to deal with the shepherds and drive them away. Not only that, he serves this group of girls by drawing water for them and feeding their sheep. It was a really menial task to water the flocks, one an Egyptian prince would never do. In fact, in Genesis, it tells us that shepherds were detestable to Egyptians. So Moses was already going against his upbringing. He's learning humility to serve others. He's learning to become a shepherd himself. And one day, God will call him from shepherding sheep to shepherding people and lead them out of Egypt. This time, Moses' sense of injustice towards these young women had integrity and wisdom. He earned their respect and the respect of their father who invites him into his home and even gives him Zipporah to marry. One commentator sums it up saying, Moses stooped to serve by learning to serve. He was learning to lead for all God's leaders are servants. Out of acute failure, God teaches wonderful lessons of grace. As he refined Moses, so he will refine us even when we think our failure is unredeemable. You see, if, as Tim said last week, all Christians are to some extent leaders or influencers in the world around us, then we need to all become servants of God and of other people. And we need to use our passions and our gifts for him and not for our own benefit. I wonder how you might be able to do that this day or this week. I wonder what you can offer to those around you. I wonder if there are ways that you could serve in school or in uh, with your neighbours or in the community around you. I wonder if there are people who still have yet to go outside because they're self-isolating, whom you could serve in some way and show care for and love for. You see, no one is beyond the use of God. No one has gone so far from him that God cannot bring them back and use them for his glory and his purposes. I wonder if you really believe that. And also that he's given us the greatest model of servanthood to emulate. Jesus Christ, the shepherd king, the servant king, who's Matthew, when Matthew's gospel tells us that he came not to, serve, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus served to the point of sacrificial death on our behalf. And our call in loving response to all he's done is to serve him and others in humility with grace and bring God glory and enjoy the delight of his blessing. So secondly, Moses began to learn who he was and whose he was. He discovered his true identity. 
I reckon we could have some sympathy with Moses as he tries to work out who he is and where he belongs. His true identity as a Hebrew was so far from his experience of being brought up as an Egyptian prince. And the irony is that in fleeing to Midian and joining the nomadic family of a priest, he finds himself in the land that as a Hebrew really is his home in Canaan, a place where he finds rest and peace amongst the Midianites who did worship God, the father of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Here, Moses is free to worship and to grow in his relationship with the God of Israel, and he begins to find out who he really is. But most importantly, Moses learns who God really is. He learns about God's justice and power and compassion. He learns that spontaneous fits of violent anger and murder are not God's way of bringing judgment. He learns that God keeps his promises and that Israel will be a mighty land, nation, numerous and blessed. And he learns to love the land that God has promised his people. He learns what it means to be God's mouthpiece and servant. He learns to trust him. He learns to listen and obey his call on his life. He learns that his life belongs to God and that the true rescuer is God and that Moses himself can do nothing in his own strength. And as a consequence of that big failure, Moses learns to live by faith. It would take 40 years, but God had a plan for him and he was going to equip him to fulfill his promises. Do you ever find yourself in those conversations with people you've just met, which end up being with questions being asked, so what do you do? I never liked that question. And it especially made me awkward when I was a young mum at home looking after my children without paid work. And that's because our identity is so much caught up in what we do rather than who we are and who we belong to. You see, Moses' identity had been stripped away no longer Prince of Egypt, but instead a nomadic, humble shepherd. But the Christian, first and foremost, is a forgiven child of God. We belong to him and that's who we are. And out of acute failure, Moses found his true identity and it changed him and it changed his life. Yes, he was blessed with an earthly family, but he came to know his heavenly family and his heavenly God deeply and intimately. When we receive grace and forgiveness from Jesus, our lives are changed forever. And the insecurities that we feel about our place in the world or our fears, perhaps when we lose our jobs or don't know what our purpose is anymore, don't need to consume us because we're first and foremost children of God. And he's got a purpose for our lives that we might love him, worship him, serve him and serve others. Let's be honest, we all fail. I failed spectacularly at school and it was really my own fault through laziness. And we can fail in all sorts of other areas, some serious, some not serious. In our work, in our relationships, in academic study, in our attempt to make a good cake, in our driving tests or our music exams, in all sorts of ways. But failure in the hands of a loving and sovereign God can be used for his glory and purposes because no one is a write-off. As one writer said, it's only after we fail that we become aware that it is God and not ourselves who's at work. He will never stop being at work in us, transforming us to become more like his son. It's his work, it's not ours. 
Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, you are the work of God's hands and he doesn't make mistakes. He's got plans for you. He has good works for you to do. And through our failures and our successes, he's preparing us for them, just as he did with Moses to serve him. The Exodus story is God's story. It's not Moses and it's not ours, it's his. His plan is to save his suffering people and his plan is to save all people. Yes, Moses was a great rescuer, but Christ himself is the greatest rescuer. And God's deep heart, heartbreaking concern for Israel that led him to send Moses is a deep, heartbreaking concern for the whole world so much that he sent his son on the greatest rescue mission ever for you and for me and in all my brokenness and failures i am so deeply deeply grateful that he did <laughs>